the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Now on that same day, when Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be crucified to death. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scripture to us? That same hour they got up, they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Is this a time for standing still or for walking ahead? Of course, as always, the answer is both. Today's awesome gospel is a favorite of mine and many. 
Yet I hear it differently this year. Everything is different this year. The story starts with a walk, a walk after a traumatic experience. Maybe Cleopas and the unnamed walker have PTSD. After hearing about the tragic crucifixion of their rabbi, their leader, their Lord, they've left the big city. They're walking on a country road to Emmaus, seven miles outside Jerusalem. Not much to say about Emmaus. Scholars today can't even locate it. I understand going for a walk when things look bleak. Many of us are trying to get out of our homes once each day. A walk, a respite, a bit of fresh air, a dose of spring, some exercise, some movement, maybe a new perspective. I still remember the day decades ago when I received a letter telling me I didn't get the job I so desperately hoped for. Now, this was pre-email. And even though I was one of the final three candidates, I didn't get a phone call, but a rejection letter. And in that devastating moment, I didn't know what to do. So I just started walking toward the lake. I just walked. I don't know if I was trying to process what had happened, whether I cried as I walked. I knew I would eventually call a friend, call my parents, but in that moment, I simply walked. The Emmaus walkers are side by side, close enough to hear each other's breathing as they go up a hill. They're talking about what has transpired for them. And then, and then a stranger appears and walks with them. We can't imagine such a thing these days. A stranger, no mask, no six feet of distancing. The stranger simply asks, what are you talking about? What's on your mind? Good advice for us these days. Ask a question and listen. Let folks express what they're feeling. No judgment, no rush to give advice. The challenges of these days are beyond quick, easy solutions, aren't they? And here's the first memorable moment when the risen Christ, the stranger, asks them what they've been talking about, they stand still, they stop, and their sadness is palpable. They say to the stranger in words we might form today, dude, where have you been? Are you the only one in metropolitan Jerusalem that hasn't heard? And then they pour out their hearts. They name their disappointment. They stand still. They take stock. Mark Brackett is the founding director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. The current pandemic is changing the emotional landscape, landscape of our society, he says. Usually most people can't identify feelings beyond the triad of mad, sad, and glad, Brackett says. However, a recent study shows that 95% of the feelings people name now are anxiety, stress, fear, and only 5% are positive feelings, and they aren't joy or happiness. They're maybe a dose of hope or optimism. The walkers on the road to Emmaus used three poignant words 
that resonate deep in our bones. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was God's promised Messiah. We had hoped that he would redeem Jerusalem. We had hoped that he would bring an end to suffering and heartache. We had hoped that everything would be all right, and now he is dead. We know those three words. We had hoped this pandemic wouldn't disrupt all our plans. We had hoped there would be a test, a treatment, a vaccine sooner rather than later. We had hoped our government would have, have, would have responded sooner or more clearly. We had hoped we wouldn't lose our job. We had hoped. We had hoped to carry the baby to full term. We had hoped the cancer would be in remission. We had hoped the depression would subside. We had hoped that our work for racial justice would have, been, would have borne more fruit instead of revealing the inequities. We had hoped that God would spare us in the earth from ravaging suffering. Emotional intelligence means attending to all of our feelings, contradictory and mysterious as they are. And it seems more important now than ever. If you haven't practiced meditation, mindfulness, or other calming exercise, exercises, now may be the time to plug into our spiritual tradition. And it will take some standing still to do these things turning off the TV, the computer, the phone, being with what is deep inside you, hearing the birds sing outside your window, breathing deeply into what is, and being open to what will be. As the walk to Emmaus continues, Jesus hears the sad tale of the walkers, and then he reframes it by locating the story within the larger biblical narrative. He pairs suffering and glory. He reminds them that joy and pain are interwoven, not only in the Jesus story, but in ours as well. Oh, how we could use some reframing these days. Stand still. Be still. Remember that we are part of humanity's larger story of struggle and resilience century after century. We are connected to people all over the globe suffering unimaginable loss, grief, and uncertainty. And now since so many sermons are filled with so many words, the Emmaus story has some awesome images in art. Let's just pause a moment and look at, first of all, images of the walk to Emmaus. And then the gathering, the breaking of the bread.
as the walkers get near Emmaus, the risen Jesus keeps walking on. Thinking of it, think of it. He didn't show up in a large crowd, a political rally, or a victory parade, but in a humble walk with two grieving people. But the walk changes everything. Their hearts burn within them as Jesus opens the scriptures. What emerges is courage, resilience, the hope to keep walking into an unknown future. In this stranger, they sense something or someone they didn't even know they needed. Stay with us, they plead. Stay with us, for it is almost evening. Stay with us. And then they are at the table. This stranger, this guest becomes the host. He breaks the bread, and it is then that their eyes are opened. It is then in the meal they recognize him. It is then amid hospitality and the sharing of food that everything comes together. Preachers love connecting this text to Eucharist. And I have every single time I've preached on this gem of a text. It's the story of Sunday mornings, the Lord's day. First, our hearts burn within us as the risen Christ comes among us in the scriptures. And then our eyes are opened in the breaking of the bread. And yet now we are in our homes, separate from one another. We haven't communed in six or more weeks. We don't know when we will back, be back to worship in our church spaces. And if you're like me, we are crestfallen, heartbroken, deeply sad. Some churches are offering online communion, having folks get some bread and wine in front of their screens. Sacramental denominations generally discourage this practice. Lutheran pastors, as we can tell online, are quite divided on it, however. Now, we at Holy Trinity are certainly experiencing community and God's presence virtually. At the same time, I contend that we understand sacraments to be a physical gathering of bodies, of bodies around bread, wine, and water. Yet as the wider church wrestles with a longer-than-expected road back to large worship gatherings, I wonder what kind of innovative thinking or practices may emerge. For example, on Monday, Thursday, we offered to you an agape meal, the option of a blessing of bread, wine, and other food at your home tables. Dear friends, this is the time to see the sacramental character of all of our eating and drinking. This is the time to include mealtime prayers in your home, whether alone or with others. Some of us know, come Lord Jesus, or bless us, O Lord, or God is great, God is food, God is good. But it can be as simple as, oh, give thanks to the Lord who is good. Or even a moment of silence. Think of it as a holy pause to be still, to look at, to smell your food, and then to take a slow mindful, grateful breath. Jesus continues to surprise us, to open our eyes to holy presence in places and people we would never expect. God opens our eyes this Sunday. In the midst of a pandemic, we give thanks for all who are the face the hands, the feet of Jesus for our wounded world, especially those most vulnerable, those most marginalized. God opens your eyes this Sunday. You, 
are the risen body of Christ. As you work and serve, pray and dream for a new tomorrow, whether in your homes, on a walk, or eventually as you return to schools and workplaces. God opens your eyes this Sunday. With heavy hearts, you may be more open than ever to see Easter revealed among you in surprising ways, even this virtual service. You may be more open than ever to envision a new society, a new church, a new way of walking gently on the earth. You may be more open than ever to share your deepest heartache and listening with compassion to others do the same. You will indeed walk on as the beloved song from Carousel names, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. Community indeed. But now more than ever, we may also find the gift in standing still in being with what is, in expressing our fears, our tears, our hopes, our prayers, in leaving space, in leaving silence for someone else to cry or lament. With burning hearts, with open eyes, and with one another, we will walk on. And I am sure of this through the resurrection of Christ, a new tomorrow, filled with Easter hope, is already dawning. Amen.